Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yoganmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Yoga in My School podcast. This, my name is Donna Freeman. I'm the founder of Yoga in My School. And it is always a delight to, uh, to do these interviews, to find amazing people, absolutely amazing people. And our guest today, I have been a fan of for quite a while. And I'm always um, um, humbled when um, people that I really admire answer my emails. Like, it, it is so touching. You know, I'll just send an, an email out to somebody that I think is like um, in, doing incredible work. And then they answer back and they go like, I'd love to talk with you. And I'm like, thank you so much. Uh, and this is one of those situations. So we're going to be, um, today we're going to get into mindfulness in a big way. And this is the podcast where we empower you to explore mindfulness and movement with youth. So welcome to the Yoga in My School podcast. If you are new here, we've got all kinds of archives. I've been doing this for 10 years, people. Uh, and uh, definitely go and explore there. Um, there are incredible people doing amazing, amazing work, changing the lives of, of individuals on a, on a breath by breath, moment by moment basis. And today, um, oh, I do have one other announcement before we get into our wonderful guest, Frank Celio, um, that I am now on Patreon. Um, this lovely uh, experience that we're in here right now with everybody being at home and I not being able to reach my students one-on-one um, -on -one and in class settings. So I have moved a lot of my offerings to Patreon. You can find me at patreon.com slash Donna Freeman. And there you get exclusive content every day. I'm putting something up uh, for as little as $3 a month, people. You get a month of awesome yoga for the entire family, um, lessons, teacher training stuff, one-on-one. -on -one. You choose what you want um, and it's there for you. So, you know, if you feel so inclined, go check it out. Right? And be a Patreon and tell me what you'd like to see and then I'll make it for you. It's all good. All right. So today it is a pleasure to speak with um, author and psychologist, Dr. Frank Cilio. He is incredible. And I was introduced to his work through Imaginations Press. Uh, because I love Imaginations Press, if you're not familiar with the work that they do there with the uh, American Psychological Association um, and their, the books that they publish for kids, definitely go check that out. Um, they are one of my favorite publishers, uh, and I bring in their books regularly to um, conferences and teacher trainings that I host and that type of thing. Um, but I know there's many, many more ways that you can access those books. But Frank Cilio um, has been able to tap into and share lots of topics i think you now have 12 or 13 books like i will be yeah next spring i'll have my 12th children's book nice 
Yeah. So all these wonderful children's books on a range of topics, but of course, I'm really interested in his yoga and mindfulness books. And that's what we're going to be getting into today. So Frank Celio, how are you doing? I am doing okay here in New Jersey, uh, United States. I'm, I'm kind of taking it day by day, breath by breath, and grateful for that breath. I think for a um, virus that takes people's breath away, I think it, it, we, are, we should be grat showing gratitude toward our own breath and our family's breath and our friend's breath during this time. Because we do take it for granted and take lots of things for granted, but particularly our breath. Yeah, that's, that's actually beautiful. What a lovely reminder. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, that, um, that moment for me when, mm. you know, at the beginning or end of class, when we bring our hands together and, you know, that whole thing, that namaste is, is truly for me very much an acknowledgement of thank you for this breath and this moment and this life. And, uh, and so Good reminder. It's how we're kind of greeting people these days too. We're kind of seeing people in the street and we're kind of nodding and those kinds of things. So we're kind of, I'm, I'm about, you know, keeping physical distance these days is so important, but I'm not crazy about the social distancing thing. I think that we always should be socially connected during this time. Physically distant, absolutely. Socially connected through these kinds of means, through Zoom or FaceTime, connecting with our friends, connecting with our families, connecting with our patients or clients is so important during this time. We need the support. Yeah, we really do. All right. So before we get into all those kind of supports and things sure. that we can do, <laughs> tell, tell our listeners who may be unfamiliar with your work a little bit about yourself and maybe some, some moments in your life and in your career that have kind of been pivotal moments that have led you to where you are today. Okay. Well, I'm a licensed psychologist in New Jersey, and I've been a licensed psychologist for, I say, about 25 years. It's hard to say that, you know, that I can't believe that much time has gone by, but I'm very grateful for that, um, for the opportunity. I, um, so I'm a psychologist first, and I have a private practice in Ridgewood, New Jersey, which is near Paramus, New Jersey. That's where all the malls are in New Jersey. And I see kids from three through adulthood. And I started writing children's books back in 2005 because I have Crohn's disease, and, um, which is an autoimmune disorder of the gastrointestinal tract. And I was getting a lot of referrals of kids and adults with GI issues. And so a lot of my kids would say, how come there's not a book for us, Dr. Frank? And I, so I started to think, and I wrote this book called Toilet Paper Flowers back in 2005. And my writing just kind of snowballed from there. And as I said in the beginning of your program, I'm, next spring will be my 12th children's book. And also next year, I have a book coming out for parents on parenting the chronically ill child. So um, I'm really excited about that because I've never written a book for parents before. So that's another whole endeavor. But I never imagined, I mean, I think that you know, things call out to you in life. And, you know, um, for me, it was just kind of allowing, accepting and allowing whatever was coming to me and um, kind of running with that creativity and using, creating tools for kids that are in my office, but also creating tools for kids that are not in my office. Because I speak across the country and I've been in Nova Scotia, in Lunenburg, doing a book signing for the kids there. So I, I really enjoy that aspect of my career and um, it's very fulfilling. Um, so I've been, like I said, I've been doing it for 25 years and um, 
it's hard to believe that that much time has gone by, but um, I'm always thinking and always thinking of new ways to reach kids and their families and their friends and, and helping them in ways either directly through my office or indirectly through my books. Fabulous. Thank you. And I know, you know, I think that's amazing that, um, you know, when we can have that one-on-one -on -one contact, that very close community contact, and then when people such as yourself catch a vision of a larger impact that, um, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I do run teacher trainings. It's like, I think we can change the world, but it's going to be one child at a time. And I can only touch so many kids. And so if I can empower other people to touch more kids and then they can empower other people and, right? and then we have these waves of, yes. of positivity um, going out into the world. And I love that, that anybody can pick up one of your books and, and feel your love for children and, and, and reap the, be your expertise in the comfort of their home anywhere well, thank, in the world. Thank you. That's very kind. I appreciate that. All right. So you've got all of these books. Um, but your newest release, you just had a release in January. January, uh, yes. Right? Of yes. the newest one of this series. So I'm going to hold this one up. So this is the B Still. Yes. Okay. The B Still, yes. Uh, the Bentley B series, basically. Yeah. Can you um, tell us a little bit about Bentley the B? Bentley B, I should have, I have this doll, I should have brought it on, but um, I just love Bentley and um, I created Bentley. People always ask me, why did you choose a B um, to choose for this series of this three books in this mindfulness series um, that I created? And I thought, you know, um, if a B, bees are always buzzing and frenetic and full of energy and never really still. And so I thought if Bentley could show kids and the adults in their lives that maybe perhaps if he can learn to be still, be calm and be heartful, which are the titles of those books, um, that maybe they too can identify with that and calm down. In fact, Bentley has become a verb. Um, it's been a, an interesting thing that has happened because I speak to schools across the country and some of my teachers, the teachers uh, that I speak with afterward, they'll say to me, um, when the kids act up or the kids are stressed out, they'll say, you need to do a Bentley. So that's kind of amazing thing that has come from this book, these books. And um, it's been a joy, really. And I fall, I fall in love with Bentley and, you know, just hope he keeps on buzzing along, kind of helping kids and adults. Mm -hmm. So you, can you tell us a little bit about this newest one, the Be Heartful? Sure. Well, that came from the first one is Be Still, which is an invitation to meditation. And then I followed that up with Be Calm, the buzz on yoga, which probably speaks to you also. Um, and then I, I fell in love with when I was doing my mindfulness-based stress reduction training, um, I fell in love with the loving kindness meditation. And it really spoke to me. And I decided I really wanted Bentley to spread loving kindness to himself, to those he, don't, he doesn't know very well, to, his, to the, those he loves, to those he may have conflict with, and to the world. And it's a, it's a lovely meditation. And I you know, advise your listeners to check out um, you know, on, on their apps or wherever a loving kindness meditation, because I think we need this more than now than ever. Um, it, it is a mantra meditation, which is different than a breathing meditation. And kids really love it because they can recite the mantra of, it usually goes along with, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be safe, may I live my life with peace or ease. And 
so kids can remember that and they hold on to it because kids' minds, if, you, if, you're, if you're in the audience, you know that kids' attention spans sometimes are, when you're teaching them meditation, they're like, how much longer do we have to do this? Or, you know, you know their minds are going to wander, which is, I always tell them that's totally okay. Even, even my own mind wanders and, you know, adults' mind wander when they're meditating. But with, with loving kindness meditation, it's kind, you, the focus is on the intention of the words and sending loving thoughts and intentions and wishes to yourself and others. And I think it really cultivates heartfulness and compassion. And in a time where incivility is not at higher levels than ever, I think that this book is timely. Of course, I think it's timely because I wrote it, but certainly that I think it's, it's, it's a very gentle, soothing meditation that speaks to children and adults. Yeah. I love this meditation too. And in fact, um, it yeah. was the very first one that I put kind of, I did a week of uh, mindfulness tips the very first week that we ended up in quarantine and, and social distancing. Um, it was the very first one that I shared. It was like, yeah, may we be safe, people. Like, right. let's let's really take this to heart, and right. um, wish it for ourselves and for everyone out there who is, you know, in a similar circumstance. And you know, maybe we are healthy, um, but we need to protect the, those most vulnerable in our communities. And um, I have um, people in my world who are vulnerable, and uh, so I will stay home and right. protect them. And, and I know yeah. that for many people, this is challenging and difficult, but that whole, you know, maybe we be happy in this, in whatever our circumstance is right now, and maybe we healthy, and maybe we safe, mm-hmm. right? There's so much power in those words when you really contemplate them. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to get all tearied. I love that meditation. Well, I love it too. And I think what's great about it is that you could vary it up too. Like one day you could just focus on yourself and the next day you can focus on someone that you love and then after that someone that you have conflict with so there's that variation of the meditation but also what you can vary up is you know the script so to speak Mm -hmm. you don't need to follow that mantra of may i be happy safe healthy and and live my life with ease whatever is speaking to you and i put in the back of all of the children's books that are published by imagination press we put a note to adult caregivers to how to use the book so that you know, they can, you know, learn ways to talk to their children about a sensitive topic or how to introduce mindfulness to kids or how to vary this meditation up. And with this book, I wrote about, you know, changing the words up. So may I, may I take care of myself? May I be gentler to myself? So you could, kids and adults can change that mantra to what speaks to them and put it in their own words. And when we know when kids and adults own it, they're more invested to keep doing it and making it more of a practice because mindfulness as we know is a practice it's not just something we do when we're feeling stressed out or worried or you know feeling sad it's something that we cultivate over time and so i think that that's what keeps loving kindness meditation a little bit fresh yeah yeah. Well, similar to yoga, I guess, also, you could, you know, all the different poses, you could do them, you know, one day do, uh, you know, kind of, you know, tree poses and various ways of doing tree and, you know, those kinds of things. So I think it's important, particularly for kids to keep things fresh and, and owning it, because then there's the buy in there. 
Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And, um, you know, I'm just making it your own in any way, changing the words or adding movement or, you know, doing it as a walking meditation around, yeah. you know, the kitchen table, right? Like there's so many fun things. I, I know when I, um, many years ago, I ran a day home every day we would get out, you know, we'd, we'd make a marching band and we'd get out the pots and pans and the, <laughs> and the utensils and we'd march around because most houses have kind of a round around somewhere in them. Right. And, right. um, and just to let them make noise or if, and then of course, during the day we would have a moment of quiet, you know, we just called it quiet time. Like you can sleep, you can do whatever, but everybody go to their separate areas and just find some quiet time. And cause we're going to need both. We're going to need that activity. We're going to need this, the quiet and the stillness. Um, and just to tune into what do you need in the moment and, and make, you know, whether it's a loving kindness meditation or make, each moment reflect what you need and um and and do that and give yourself a break like it's okay (laughs) absolutely absolutely i do the walking loving kindness actually i was introduced to the walking loving kindness meditation i took a a a weekend retreat with sharon salzberg and um sharon is quite you know mindfulness teacher well-known mindfulness teacher and she's written a book on loving kindness and she taught me how to do the walking loving kindness and so with every step saying may i be happy may i be healthy and you can vary that up but also now during you know the covid crisis is what i'm doing is keeping the physical distance but if i'm seeing a neighbor or i'm seeing someone across the street i in my head i turn to them and i say may you be happy may you be safe may you be healthy and they're not even realizing that i'm sending them good wishes and kindness so i think it's a beautiful beautiful thing that now in the again in the times where we're again we're keeping um physical distance of kind of smiling at people and sending them loving kindness intentions and they're not even aware of it so and and the the huge impact that that has on us personally like they not may not be aware of it but i i believe in energy like it it goes out (laughs) but what that does to your own heart and to your mind and um to be able to recognize that other people um may be having a hard time too Yes, that's what Bentley, I kind of make that point in the book. And, um, and also that the important thing also that I mentioned in the book, um, that, you know, one of the characters says, oh, you, his Willie Wasp comes along and steals Bentley's scarf and he sends him loving kindness because he has, everyone has conflict with Willie Wasp in the garden. And after he sends him loving kindness, Willie hears that and is, you know, ah, I don't want this scarf anyway. And all the, all the animals are saying, wow, those words work like magic. And that's the thing that I wanted to point out to kids that they don't, they're not magical words. They're certainly, we may not change someone's behavior. We may not change, you know, someone, how they treat us. But what changes is us is that we, our hearts change, our hearts grow. We become more compassionate toward ourselves and others and love ourselves and others perhaps a little bit more. So it's not about changing others. It's about maybe changing how we perceive something and how we feel about something or, or just our heartfulness in general. Yeah. Well, and when I was first introduced to uh, loving kindness many years ago, um, the very first time I heard it, like I was, we were just in practice and, and then they, you know, it's like, Oh, send love to myself, send love to my, someone close to me, send love to, you know, someone in the, you know, somebody in the community. And then it was send love to somebody you don't like. I was like, what? <laughs> like, hang on. And I yeah. like everybody. And other people are like, oh, I got somebody right in mine, like right now. Right. <laughs> um, right. But um, I think that is such an interesting aspect of this, part- of this particular meditation. 
is to think of someone that you may not get along with or that you really don't like or that you're in conflict with right. and to send them the same well wishes. Yes. Can yes. you address that, just that yeah. aspect? It, it's an interesting, I mean, it all falls under the compassion, um, you know, and, and, you know, the compassion thinking and the compassion, um, you know, feelings of that, you know, it, what I found um, when I send loving kindness to people that are challenging to me or that I don't necessarily get along with or like, I find that I, my heart softens a little bit with them. And, you know, oftentimes we live in a very, in a world where we can quickly judge and, um, you know, we're very busy and, you know, sometimes we have very little patience and that's part of being human. I mean, I just think we just need to accept and allow that, that, you know, that's just part of it. And we're not going to get along with everyone and not everyone's going to like us and et cetera. And I think, but that doesn't mean that we can't show compassion and have an appreciation for that person because we don't know what their journey is about. You know, they may have difficulties in their, in their life and we don't know what those are, which may be a result of why they're acting the way they do or why they are not kind or whatever. Um, and then that's for them to work out for themselves, but maybe it, causes us to pause and say, you know what, I don't know what's going on in that person's life. And, you know, I think I know them, but maybe I don't. And maybe I need to just pull back, focus on, you know, my path, and maybe cultivate that compassion toward people who are challenging or difficult, because I can't change them. You know, I mean, as much as we would like to, you know, have everyone kind of appreciate us or like us, especially kids struggle with that a lot, but I think adults do too especially when, you know, they're in school or they don't get picked for the baseball team or they're, you know, they're not picked part of a group. It's hard for kids to integrate that. And, and that's one of the reasons why I became a psychologist. Back to your earlier question is that when I was very young, I was bullied a lot in school. And um, I have red hair and it doesn't maybe show on the video, but it was very hard being different, having red hair. I was smart. I liked school and I wasn't exactly the sports kid either. So I was kind of singled out and I was bullied a lot and it was a very painful time of my life. But I also am grateful for that time of my life as, you know, kind of that sounds maybe a little strange to some of the people watching or listening is that, you know, um, it if you look at my seventh grade yearbook, which was one of the hardest years of my life, if you look under my yearbook picture, which would be horrific if I showed you right now, um, with the you know mullet or whatever it was, what I was doing with my hair at the time, but certainly um, I, underneath where I wanted to become, we had to put what we wanted to grow up to be, I put psychologist. And so I thought it was like kind of interesting that all these years later that I actually followed through because you know kids want to do lots of things, which is great, but how many of them actually say that they become what they actually thought they were going to be when they were a child? And so that was a really um, uh, difficult, painful experience for me, but it helped me to grow. And now I pay that forward. I think I like to think that not only do therapy with kids that are bullied, but also the kids that are the bullies mm -hmm. to kind of help stop that from happening in the future which I haven't actually written a book on bullying per se, but, which is sort of interesting, but um, some of my, bu uh, my books enter elements of bullying with Sally Sore Loser, who bullies other kids because she doesn't like to lose or win. Um, you know, so I, I kind of try to integrate that into my, my books in some way. Um, I wrote a book on gossip and for kids, Did You Hear? And 
that's sort of it's kind of bullying, uh, cyberbullying is at all time highs. So just to answer, you know, going back to your original question is that that's sort of was what led me in the past, you know, when you kind of reflect back, it's like, how did I get here? You know, and that sort of was um, one of the very strong driving forces as to what helped me be a psychologist and helped me to write books and also cultivate a mindfulness practice for myself. Thank you so much. I appreciate your sharing and being vulnerable with us today. I, you know, I, I, I believe, you know, I share that. I share about having Crohn's disease because when we, um, when, we, when we take away the shame and the stigma of certain things in our lives, it, first of all, it, it allows others to, to feel validated and open. And um, that's why I write these books too, to validate kids' feelings and emotions. But it also, you know, destigmatizes things and makes things, you know, we're all human. We all have baggage of some sort and we all come from some place whether it be hurtful and happy I mean I certainly have happy moments in my life as well and what is it that we do with those things you know so when you're dealt something what do you do with it when I you know was bullied you know I kind of now now I'm kind of an advocate for for anti-bullying you know for Crohn's disease I write books and speak across the country about that I'm writing this parenting book for parents for kids with chronically ill children so it's like it's we make those choices you know, some of those things, and this goes back to what we're going through now, what's in our control is out of our control. And I think that, you know, we can make, we can take some control on some of these things in our lives, you know, and make good of them, you know, make something, you know, that was not so great better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so much of that comes to our attitude and, you know, looking, looking for the good, even in challenging times. Mm -hmm. Even these times now, you know, right? it's hard. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'd like to get into now with you um, is, you know, yes, loving kindness is a beautiful practice. And it's what I reached to first as, as we went into self-isolation. And, uh, and um, you know, I love that your aspect of when you see someone, you can send them well wishes. Uh, uh, or even if you think of them, you can send them well wishes. Um, but what are some other tools that parents um, could use to help themselves? And to help their kids navigate, um, you know, our, our new normal here, our current situation yes. with COVID. Well, what I've been talking with my patients and other people about is bringing the, some of the old normal into the new normal. For example, I've been encouraging my kids who are homeschooled now and parents who are working from home to get up, take a shower, take care of their hygiene, to get do your hair. To, if you wear makeup, put on makeup. If you like cologne or pleasant scents, put them on. You know, um, you, and people are like, well, I'm not going anywhere. But there is a feeling of like uh, of just you feel when you stay in your pajamas all day, you feel lazy, you mm -hmm. feel tired, you feel even sick. So bringing some of those old you know, kinds of routines into the new normal is very, very helpful. Um, I think that structure is really important because kids, we, we all thrive on structure um, to some degree. We all get up, do the same thing, you know, make our coffee, get ready for work or get ready for school and et cetera. And now that's been disrupted. So how do we kind of create some sort of structure for ourselves? How do we create, um, you know, that routine of kids going off to homeschool and then people working from home? How do we set up boundaries that we can still have personal space and time alone to reflect on our lives and encourage our kids to doing the same, whether it be doing a meditation practice or just sitting in their room, whether it be prayer or whether it be cultivating some type of 
project that they've been sitting and waiting to do for so long. So if you wanted to write that book, write the book. If you want to clean out your closets, clean out your closets. If you want to connect with people via um, social media, then please do so. Um, I do think we need to use social media judiciously during this time because there's a lot of stuff on social media that can be very frightening for kids and adults as well, as well as a lot of misinformation. So I think going to reliable sources, um, the CDC and other kinds of sources, I'm not sure what's available in Canada, but in the United States, you know, going to the CDC and getting that, but also limiting that to some degree as well. I mean, if you keep looking at it every day or, you know, you're getting these breaking news alerts on your phones or your devices, it can be quite unnerving because it's now what, 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 what what's now, you know, everything is breaking news these days. So it's, it can be very um, upsetting and anxiety provoking. I think this is a time for us to reevaluate and have gratitude and think about what we are grateful for um, because we can't do certain things we used to do. Like, you know, people are now having family dinners that they never had before. People are connecting with family members and friends in a different way, using technology to connect instead of distance and divide. I think those are really um, important things that um, people are doing and I'm encouraging them to continue doing so. Um, I think, again, making, I've been working with my kids and adult patients on making lists of gratitude. What are you grateful for? Um, because now, like you step outside in the air and like I, we started the, the podcast with your with discussion about the breath that, you know, we take the breath for granted and it's free and it's always with us. It's the most portable app we've got. And I think that, you know, for, like I said, a disease that's taking away the breath of others, we should cherish our breath and, um, you know, kind of realize the kind of simpler things. I think this is a time calling us to be creative, think out of the box, and maybe return to a little simpler time um, and quiet time. And, you know, there's an expression I see on, on Instagram, when you can't go outside, go inside. And I think that that is um, very true. And a lot of people have a hard time going inside because they may, maybe have never visited that place. And we don't have the distractions of running around and, you know, distracting ourselves with external things. So now we, you know, have to look at ourselves in a way. And that's been very difficult for some people, young and old. And that's part of my job is to help them explore that, not just even before COVID-19, but certainly more so now because things are, everyone's in close quarters. So it's like their sense of individuality feels lost or my, my little brother keeps annoying me or mom is nagging me about homework or my husband keeps, you know, leaving stuff all over the house. Some of those things were the before COVID-19, but even it's more pronounced now. Mm -hmm. So gratitude is really a word that I think we need to kind of cultivate, hold on to, think about, reflect on during these times, create structure, create some sense of taking some of the old normal into the new normal. And it, you know, it's certainly not going to, I mean, I think also recognizing that anxiety and stress are real during these times to say that we're not stressed and anxious. It's like in mindfulness, we recognize it like a cloud. Oh, there it is. There's that dark cloud. Do I need to get the umbrella? I don't know. Maybe it's just going to pass. So just kind of recognize we teach in mindfulness, as you're well aware, is to that we aren't becoming our feelings, that we can observe our feelings and our thoughts, but don't become them. Don't create a story about it because we can, you know, I, I, I've been, I said this to a patient yesterday and about mindfulness, that those that live in the future 
or think about too much in the future, that's where anxiety lives. And that's not a fun place to live. Mm -hmm. If we live in the past, that's where remorse and regret live and depression lives. Also not a fun place to live. So all we have is this moment. And I encourage this person to wiggle their toes or wiggle their fingers or just remind themselves that they're in the present moment. And sometimes the present moment isn't so great either, but to recognize what is our experience? How am I experiencing my anxiety? Where am I feeling it in my body? What is it that I'm, you know, what does it feel like? What is, what is in, what's, what, what are my thoughts? We're trying not to, as I said earlier, not to get caught up in the stories because it kind of is like that domino effect. I always say to people that observe your thoughts and feelings like Lucy and Ethel did on the, on the candy episode, you know, that episode where the candy keeps going by is kind of observe them, but just kind of let them go and not try to like, Lucy and Ethel were kind of going frenetically, trying to grab them and whatever. I don't know if everyone knows that episode, but it's classic, I love Lucy, I'm a big Lucy collector and uh, fan. So I think that, you know, if we can teach people to do that, there will be a sense of calm or peace. Um, will we have 100% peace during these times? I don't think so, you know? And I think we just need to accept and allow that as well, that that's just part of this experience and have hope that we will if we come together, we can get through this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Thank you so much. And as you were talking, I really, you know, I think there is a huge aspect of what you're saying, especially that gratitude practice, because so many people have experienced such uh, deep disappointments. Um, you know, weddings have been canceled. Yes. Uh, my, my one daughter's graduation is no longer um, yes. And she's like, 12 years, mom, 12 years to walk across the stage. And I don't get to walk across the stage. I know. My heart just breaks for her. Yes. It's um, loss. People yeah. are dealing with loss of a different kind. When we think about loss, we always think about death. But there's a loss oh. of a dream. There's a loss of a, and, you know, how do we kind of, schools are now getting creative about how they could do graduations and they may be delaying them. But still, it may not be the same. Yeah. And I think that's what people struggle with, that things aren't the way that we would like them to be. We well, then that's just food. it. Right. right. We have food. so many preconceived notions of what it's going to be. Correct. And this has taken everything at a very different way. And um, no matter Almost what overnight. we thought, Pardon me? Almost overnight in a way. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. the, you know, the kind of isolation kind of came very quickly. And I think that people um, weren't prepared, you know, in the sense of, you know, I think puzzle cells are up tremendously. And I think I'm, I'm pleased to hear my patients and people in my life, you know, downloading apps and doing yoga on live streaming. And I think that people are doing fitness apps. And I think people are, because I always say, like, it's important to keep your physical and your mental health strong at this point because we always neglect the mental health piece we always take care of what if we're sick we always you know if someone has a chronic illness of some sort or just illness they always run to the doctor which is great they should however there's also feelings that you know come along with that too that also need to be addressed and i'm telling people stress and anxiety if we don't address it it lowers our immune system depression lowers our immune system so we know that Scientific studies have showed that, you know, mental health aspects, if we don't tend to them, they can lower our immune system. And we need our immune systems to be stronger now than ever. Yeah, so true, so true. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Um, so just, I want people to, I want you to talk about this lovely one. Ah, 
A World of Possibilities. This is one of my favorite mindfulness books. Oh, thank you. And um, for anyone who is not familiar with A World of Possibilities, one of the best things about this book is this sweet little bird. So there's this sweet little robin. And, um, and as you go through the book, you can, I, I do a little search and find, just so I go and try and find the robin in every um, picture. So kudos to your illustrator, um, Jennifer Zivion? Zivoin. 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 Mm -hmm. So like beautifully done. And, yeah, and just your, the way that, that you, you know, the, it's like, I'm just going to read a little bit of this because I love this book so much. It oh, says, thank you. be good to your body and to your brain. Take the time to listen to the sound of the rain. Turn off all things that have a screen, splash your face with warm water and make it clean. Like it's so pretty and oh, such you. beautiful advice um, for us to, to pause in the moment to engage our senses. But can you talk a little bit about this book and how it came sure. to be? Sure. Um, it was my first children's mindfulness book, so it's very special to me in that regard. Um, I, I was, you know, in my, in my work with kids and adults, I always talk about taking a pause, and I was thinking about the word pause, and I think about possibility, and I was thinking about, so I kind of you know, was thinking about the world of, how do we create a world of possibilities? Um, because there's so many pauses we can take in our day. So I was, you know, sometimes we'll brainstorm with the kids in my practice, like, how can you pause? And what can you do to take a moment? And it's not just, you know, lots of people will say, take a breath. But I wanted to give kids ideas of how to create pauses that meant something to them, that, you know, that they could really step back and respond instead of react to things. Often kids that I treat have emotional dysregulation issues. They kind of have meltdowns or freakouts, and adults do too. And you know, we need to kind of step back from a situation sometimes and pause, whether that means take a break or take a breath or wash your face or, and, and pauses can be also all sensory. They can involve um, you know, thinking pauses, you know, feeling pauses, breathing pauses, you know, uh, you know, tactile pauses, um, feeling like in the book, I talk about the wind when you go outside, feeling the wind blow through your hair, um, getting snuggle in a blanket. There's all ways that kids can take a pause. So I encourage through the book that, you know, have you learned how to take a pause and then what's in your world of possibilities, giving them the jumping point to discuss and think about how they can use pauses in their life. And so, um, so Jennifer Savoyne created, you know, the, the illustrations for this book and took us through a day, a life in this neighborhood. And this Robin is sort of the thread who starts it from uh, his or her nest and, you know, ends back up there in the nighttime back in the nest. And she did a wonderful job. And I'm very proud of this book because it's beautifully illustrated and I'm hoping the words speak to people and hopefully, you know, most of the time when I do book signings, parents are like, we need this book, you know, like, you know, and it's like, I'm glad to hear them say that because I think, you know, we can always say, Oh, you need this. I don't need this. I think we all need, you know, first of all, I think we all need mindfulness and I think we all need pausing in our lives. Um, because oftentimes in our hurried world, we're going from activity to activity. And in New Jersey, where I live, it's very, 
kids are involved in so many activities. They're going from thing to thing and they're not really kind of recognizing what's going on for them. And we do this with eating. We do this with anything we do is always quick, 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 quick. And we don't really pause and appreciate. And I think this time now that we are pausing, like being appreciative of certain foods and being appreciative of toilet paper and being appreciative of a warm home or a cool home, whatever climate there, you know, you find yourself in. So I think that, and, and, you know, also pausing and being grateful of friends and, and family. So, so, um, I'm glad you really enjoy this book. I, I'm, 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 that's the best. I mean, it's won a couple of book awards and I always say to people that, you know, the best award I get from my children's books is a child or an adult coming to me or emailing me and saying, your book made me think, your book made me pause, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that to me, I know it sounds trite, but it's so true. That is the reason why I write these books and, you know, why I love them. So. All right. I think we're almost out of time. Um, so thank you for your expertise and for your insight and all that you're sharing with us through your books and through all well, that you, you offer. Having, no, thank you for having me. I could talk about this stuff for a long time, as you can tell, because I think it's so important. It's so valued to me and to so many people. All but right. thank you for having me. Thank you. So guys, go check out Frank Cilio, Dr. Frank Cilio on Instagram. You can find him all over the place. Just Type his stuff in, get his books, people. Get his books. Fill your life with all the goodness that is Dr. Frank Celio. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening today, guys. This has been the Yoga in My School podcast. I am Donna Freeman. Please show your support for the show by sharing it with a friend and giving us some rates and reviews and some comments. We love to see all those lovely things. All right. Have a wonderful day. Namaste.